Welcome to the Future Sickos Podcast with your hosts, Brennan Detzler and Derek Lee. What is up, Future Sickos listeners? Welcome to episode 20 of the Future Sickos Podcast. As always, I am joined by my co-host and Derek Lee, and boy, are we happy to be here. The, the mood surrounding the Ottawa Senators has changed dramatically over the past year or past week, sorry, with the announcement of the Brady Kachuk signing of a seven times 8.25 deal. And let me tell you, there's, there's good vibes all around. The Suns are two to one to start the year. How are you feeling, Derek? Man, first off, Brennan, I got to say the what is up is just something that's just resonating with me. I hear it in my sleep sometimes. So I love the, uh, I love the intro there. Um, but yeah, the feeling, the vibe all around, uh, much better vibe, uh, than, you know, previous before the season, before Brady Kachuk was signed, it was a long summer. And I, I remember tweeting out the, I think it was actually the day that Brady was signed the first game of the season. It's already been a long season and the season hasn't started yet. And then, Fireworks happen. Pierre Dorian gets it done. Long-term contract with Brady Kachuk. And all of a sudden, the mood changes. And that mood changing really, really resonated with the team as well. And I think the vibes all around are just electric right now. I, I, that's the only way I can describe it, to be honest. I'm excited. I, I can't wait to get there to see games in person. And I'm feeling extremely energized for this season. How are you feeling? No, I, I'm feeling I'm feeling exactly the same way. I don't know how I'm feeling about you thinking of my voice when you go to sleep, but hey, as long as long as uh, as long as you fall asleep, that's all right. And I, I got to say, I'm I'm feeling fantastic about the Brady Kachuk deal. I truly thought that it was an amount that was no longer on the table. I, I really didn't think it was a possibility that Brady was going to sign for seven years. I, I was thinking probably no more than four. Honestly, I I think that there was a lot of rumors going around and. Maybe it's just one of those things that you kind of have to take everything you hear with a grain of salt. But at the end of the day, good for the organization, good for Dorian for and, and team for being able to get that deal done, you know, before the season started, technically. Um, and I, I think that it's it's just it's a great deal. Is it an overpay? Yes. But we always knew that we were going to have to overpay for Brady Kachuk. And sometimes there's more to deals than just what players do on the ice. You know, Brady was on pace uh, the year before last, and I believe even last year as well, to be the first player in NHL history to record over 300 hits and 300 shots in the same season. And there's just, there's not really any players like Brady Kachuk. I mean, Matthew isn't even very similar to him and he plays such a different way. And, you know, if they're running through a wall together on the Ottawa Senators team, Brady's going to be the one who's going through it first, being absolutely covered in scratches, maybe, uh, maybe doing some damage for, for the rest of the guys. So I, I think that what he brings totally justifies the money, but I'm also really happy with the money and I'm super happy with the term. And I'm super happy with the fact that Brady wants to be here. That, that, like there's no better way to show it. I mean, we definitely saw it with the conference and everything involved that, that Brady wants to be here. We could saw it in Dorian's look of relief when he was so excited to say, like, I always knew deep down that Brady Kachuk wanted to be an Ottawa Senator. And and you know what, like, I, I think that moving forward, we can finally be truly optimistic about this because there was no contract that was bigger than this one. No, exactly. And, and to say, you know, he feels like the most powerful person, however he worded that, um, it was funny how he worded it, but, but I think the words that he used um, really were just resemblance of, of the feeling and the emotion 
and everything that means um, what Brady does to this organization. And I think we've seen it in game one with the energy that the team brought, Brennan. They came out with a fire lit underneath them. I don't think they would have came out the same way had Brady Kachuk not been signed to a seven-year contract that day. Um, as soon as Brady comes out to the Stone Cold music, you could see it on Timmy Stutzla's face. I mean, you could hear it in Pierre Dorian's press conference, in the emotion in his voice. It absolutely changed the whole surrounding of the start of the year and, and the start of the game. I mean, you, you look back at that first game and the Senators, they had puck possession, they had energy. They were out working the Toronto Maple Leafs in a lot of different ways. And uh, I think that just, you know, that goes to show how big of an impact player Brady Kachuk is. It's more than the points that he brings. It's everything else that comes with it. Well, it's pretty on brand for Brady. Like, I mean, he comes in, gives the stone cold, the stone cold up. And I, I don't know if you caught the clip after the game um, or if it was during intermission when he was hanging out and, and Chabot saw him as he turned the corner and came running at him and they were leaping into each other's arms. And I, I think it just, it goes to show just what he means to this team. And you could tell going into it that, that there was something missing. It, it was felt in the room. It was felt amongst the players. Obviously it was felt amongst the plans. Anyone that has a Twitter account is aware of that. But I, I think that just being able to see the change of emotion when that happened and, and just being able to see what he meant and even to have Pierre Dorian admit that he's the heartbeat of this team and and what he means to them and, and why they needed to lock him up. Like it, it kind of just confirms that it validates a lot of the feelings that sense fans had, but it also just goes to show like that. <laughs> that this is real and that this is really something that they're going to be able to grow towards. And, and, and yeah, I, I mean, what a start to the season for them without having Brady Kachuk in the lineup. I mean, there's definitely been quite a few guys who have stepped up and I know that we're going to get into that a little bit. Um, but, but no, it's, it's truly one of those things where you have to look at it and you, you have to wonder what it would be like if, if this would have continued to stretch. And now, fortunately it's looking like Brady is only going to end up missing three games. As long as everything goes according to plan, he is slated to play on Thursday. See on his chest or not. And I just, I have to say, like, it is so exciting knowing that we're only missing three games of the season. Brady in camp, I don't know, or sorry, in practice going around, he, he looks fast. Like, I mean, even when he was going through and giving that stone cold look, like it looks like he really focused this summer on getting lean, getting mean, like he, he's looking great. He's looking like bigger than ever, but lean somehow. Um, and he was looking quick, like uh, in some of the drills that they're showing in practice, like He's looking like he's got a, a bit more speed in his game and an extra step. So hopefully he comes in and, and the transition is just flawless and, and we can uh, really get rolling with, with what should be a pretty competitive team. Absolutely. I agree with you. I was actually a little bit surprised when I seen the video of just how quick Brady looked. I don't know if they were maybe really zoomed in. So it, it looked like he was going even faster, perhaps on whatever cell phone camera was used. Um, that we got to see that video on, but uh, Brady Kachuk directly impacting capacity. I mean, that's a, a question early on here, Brennan, because uh, I kind of thought, you know what, there might have been some concerns before the season if they hadn't got Brady signed, but I was fully expecting to see the building a little bit more full. And one of the storylines that's recently coming up on Twitter is the building's capacity. I mean, last game, albeit a Sunday afternoon game against the Dallas Stars, not really a huge ticket seller, but uh, just over 8,000 in attendance. I was a little bit surprised um, just at how, how many seats there were 
available in that building and good seats to boot. Uh, do you expect that capacity to rise throughout the season? Or do you think people are still really hesitant on this team? Yeah, so so I do expect it to rise. I know that I, I also said a tweet out about this because, I mean, being less than 50% capacity when you're allowed to be at full capacity is definitely a concern for fans. I mean, I, I think that it's a legitimate concern to have. With that being said, it was a Sunday game at five o'clock against the Stars. Probably not something that everyone's circling their calendar for to go to. Um, and I, I also think that Brady not being in the lineup could have been a big reason for that. Maybe a lot of people are like, oh, well, if we're going to go to a game, let, let's make sure that we're going to one that Brady's going to be there for. So uh, I think that especially on a Thursday against Eric Carlson, him, him coming back to, to Ottawa and, and playing in a city, I'm sure there's still a ton of Carlson fans around. I know I'm still one. And I got to say, I think he's looking pretty good to start the season in my opinion so I, I think that that's going to be a, a game where more people are going to there also might be more people buying tickets now that Brady's there just in hopes that he might be having a C on on his jersey it for the game that they go to depending on how long this drags out but I I, I have to say I do think that it will get better I, I think that there'll be more fans in attendance I also think that it's completely legitimate if a large reason why people aren't going to games is COVID related. However, I, I kind of also wonder if because of COVID, there's more people that are wanting to go to games. And I, I mean, the reason why I say that is, is with lockdowns, I know that there's kind of just, there's quite a few people who are looking to go back to a sense of normalcy and there's, and going to sense games, maybe that. So I was kind of thinking that after lockdowns um, or kind of when this capacity was able to open up again, there would be a lot of fans kind of racing to the gate to be able to go to games. So uh, I'll be honest. I think that I was a little surprised, but I, I think that a lot of people that have concerns, whether it be, because of COVID. And I think that that obviously is the biggest one and the most legitimate one um, is legitimate concerns. And I'm sure that we will be sold out in due time um, when circumstances are right. No, absolutely. I mean, the, the pandemic definitely plays a part in all of this. Um, but one thing I'm still hearing people talking about is the concerns about the location of the arena. And I mean, that is something that's not going to change overnight. It's not going to change very soon at all. So um, I'm wondering, Brennan, if you if you still see that as a major issue. I know for us, like we live six hours away myself, you know, uh, and we're still going to be driving to see games. So, I mean, we're just, I guess, the diehard fans that will drive and watch games regardless. But uh, but I'm still hearing some complaints, at least online, about people complaining about the traffic and complaining about, you know, how difficult it is to get out of that parking lot after the game. And if you have kids, there's no way you can get them home in the middle of the week on time to get to, to bed on time so that they can go to school the next day. And And how big of an issue is the arena going to be in the future? I think my favorite uh, favorite running joke for a while was, yeah, sure, Carlson made good money, but how much did he have to pay per per week in parking to play at these games? And honestly, like I, I, I do feel like it's a factor. Um, I think that obviously there's still people that are upset um, with what happened previously, and and there's a, like it's a very passionate fan base, and there was a lot of people that kind of got fed up with the team when they were going through their rebuild, and maybe they're not at a point of kind of seeing what this new hope looks like and what the new excitement is and, and wanting to go and support this team regardless. So I think that as much as there may be animosity towards ownership, I, I think that that's like almost as much of a role in, in the location of the arena. Like I, I would say that 
for people that don't want to go out, like I think that there's as many people that just are still hesitant to support the team. So I, I do think that a downtown arena would definitely do wonders for ticket sales. Like I, I think that at the end of the day, like it, it makes way more sense. It is a switch that is going to need to happen, whether it be sooner rather than later. It, it just makes way more sense to kind of build around it. Mind you, Canada is getting pretty built up as well. But I, I do genuinely think that it's something that would help with ticket sales, but I don't know that it's the end all be all. I, I do wonder if, if it was with this ownership group um, or even within the next couple of years and, and they move downtown, if, if games would still sell out, honestly. No, absolutely. And I think, you know what, we, we focus so much on the business side of the sport, especially in this organization. Um, and I made a promise on Twitter to stay away from that stuff for a little while. And, and here we are talking about, again, the business side of this thing. But, uh, but Brennan, let's get some game stuff, some actual hockey, because we have actual hockey to talk about. And what a relief. Uh, it's so nice to be actually talking about the game of hockey, the players, you know, the things that make us exciting, because I know for me, the, the location of the building doesn't really get my blood flowing very much. So uh, we have three games to recap. What are your thoughts so far? My, my thoughts are resilience, I, I think is, is a big one. I also think excitement. I, I'm blown away with how many players have taken such a big step. And I mean, I know that that was kind of already something that we were expecting. We've followed these players for a long time. I know you and I have been excited about a lot of them for, for a while, but to see them continue to grow their game is something that just really blows my mind. And I mean, like a prime example of that is Batherson and Stutzla. And I feel like every time that they're on the ice, it's just the, the magic that they have together and their ability to kind of play at a quick speed and just showcase their spill skill is something that we haven't seen on this Ottawa Senators team in a long time. So being able to see that and from two guys who are super young and have so much potential and so much to watch for, like it's, it's a great feeling. So that's something that stood out to me. It's just the amount of skill and the amount of different like play creations. I, I feel like we've been really good offensively creating chances. There's been really a lot of excitement. We're not just kind of hanging on to games by playing boring hockey, which is something that I've, I've really enjoyed about the new identity of this team. And um, I mean, yeah, like we're, we're able to go and throw hits and everything, but they're also taking chances and making a lot of plays. And that's been something that has, has really, really stood out to me. I think Stuzel has been a really big bright spot. Um, I know obviously his game is still far from perfect and there's a lot of areas to grow, but just the amount of opportunity he's been able to create and the kind of big plays he's been able to showcase and just like on, on a nightly basis, like it's just, he has that ability that you just look at this guy and you're like, it's a matter of time until he puts up 40 goals. Like it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when. And, and that's really been kind of the, the big part of my thoughts, but then also their ability to, to win in different ways. Like, I mean, we're two and one and I mean, we definitely got some help with our goaltenders. They, they, they looked great and they they've been fantastic for us, but we've also had a lot of guys who are just giving hundred percent on every shift and it, it, it makes quite a difference and it's extremely, extremely noticeable. Oh, absolutely. And you know, one thing that really impressed me and you touched on it is the offense. I mean, and, and just the ability to establish a four check, I think in pockets, at least of the, the three games that we've seen so far, I've been really impressed with the cycle, particularly that second unit uh, featuring Nick Paul, Shane Pinto and Connor Brown. It's such a reliable trio, but, uh, but offensively, they're just able to cycle the puck and win puck battles 
uh, so much of the time. And, and, you know, Pinto's a really young player. He doesn't look like a young player at all. Brennan, not to get too sort of pro fancy stat here, um, but the only line last year that was able to establish positive puck possession was Colin White, Evgeny Dadanov, and Nick Paul. And two thirds of that line are no longer here. White to injury, of course, and Dadanov to trade. But Nick Paul is the constant there. And he's really stood out to me uh, early on in this season. Last game, of course, he scored on a wicked backhand shot. It was basically like a wrist shot from way outside. Um, but, but that's, you know, the one thing that really stands out to me is just the puck possession and the ability of Nick Paul to sort of drive whatever line he's playing on. And people don't even know he's there. I mean, nobody's uh, making their game plan and building a game plan around shutting down Nick Paul, let's be honest. But he's really a guy that he's just stood out to me. The other thing early on that stands out, 44.4% on the power play. Like, who the heck are these guys? Last year, they were 15% on the man advantage. And it's not even really the top guys um, just getting it done. I noticed even when the second unit is on the ice, they're whipping the puck around better. They're winning faceoffs in the offensive zone, which is a great start. But they're also able to gain entry of the zone, which was a huge problem last year. Uh, so for a team that really hopes to take off this year, you look at special teams, they have to come a long way from where they were last year. And at least in the early going of this season, they have. 100%. No, I, I think um, a, a couple of things that you brought up. So I think the big thing about the power play, and I, I, do, I do not think that clearly 44% is not sustainable, but I also don't know that they'll continue to be as successful as they have been as much as I would love to see it happen. I just, I think that right now it has been inflated. Mind you, they're doing an incredible job. And I think that a big reason for that is because it's not necessarily the guys that are expected to be there that are on the power play. It's not necessarily the guys who have the most skill or, or, or yeah, like I said, like expected, like you're seeing how Connor Brown's excelling in a slot. You're seeing Tyler Ennis look incredible. Um, it, it's, so, it's such a great showing. And and honestly, what a great little signing there. Um, and also like Chris Tierney is really stepping up and, and showing that he's a player. I don't know if he's using Twitter as a motivation or what, but kind of hard to say anything bad about Chris Tierney right now. I know that. Um, and I, honestly, kind of, kind of uh, just on a bit of a sidebar here regarding him, like heard today, that he had, uh, he was dealing with a back injury last year that was nagging. He just couldn't get rid of it. And this year, he came down, came to camp, twelve pounds lighter. And honestly, it shows. He looks like he has more jump in his step, and and he's he's looking great. So so yeah, I think like with the power play, the big thing for me is that it's not necessarily the guys who are expected. They're not necessarily sticking with one unit. And kind of like you said, that that second power play is debatably looking as strong for them right now. And I think that the nice thing is that DJ Smith has always said he's going to reward the guys who deserve it. And these guys are showing that they have chemistry and that they're able to create on the power play and they're getting these legitimate chances and they're delivering on it. So like I said, I don't think that it's sustainable, but it's awesome to see that we have different weapons and that there are a lot of different guys on this team that can score and, and have that ability. So um, it's great. It kind of just makes it that much more predictable. And I think that kind of like you said with Nick Paul, that's that's just another prime example of it. Um, I know that our producer Tyler just absolutely called it with that video he made surrounding Paul saying he was going to have a big game. So honestly, shout out to him for for allowing Paul to do that. The Future Sickos podcast is presented by DraftKings. While I might be a huge Ottawa Senators fan, whenever the Buffalo Bills are playing, I have to be watching the game. I also have to be betting on the game using DraftKings. 
New customers can now bet just $5 on any one NFL team to win their game, and if they do, will win $200 in free bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL. Yeah, I, I think I remember retweeting that actually and saying that we're psychics, but uh, actually Tyler's the only psychic here. But uh, yeah, that that was a great call. And I've got to say, I mean, Matt Murray is sick with the flu, but Forsberg and Gustafson are just sick because they were unbelievable in all three of those games. I mean, Forsberg through the first two games, I mean, he, he stood on, on his head at times. Let's be honest. Uh, especially in that first game, we would not have come away with two points if it weren't for Anton Forsberg. Um, and even in the 3-1 I, loss to the Leafs, go ahead. I, no, I thought it was hilarious that he threw his helmet on the ice after he saved two goals. Like there was there was two shots that should have been in the net. He let in the third shot that he had no business saving and then throws his helmet on the ice like he was the problem. Like that that guy, he, he man, he deserves to play. He like, I, I take back... I honestly wondered why they resigned him. I, I with Gus in the system, and and honestly, like Gus did look ready, like he is ready, um, and, and he looks fantastic. But I'm so happy that they have him right now because he he is legitimate. And yeah, if they did put him on waivers, he would be claimed tomorrow. Yeah, no, it's it's hard to argue with that. I mean, Forsberg, he's been bounced around an awful lot, and I really don't know why. He seems like a super competitive guy evidenced by him yeah trashing his own helmet there after giving up one goal but uh Gustafson as well I mean I, I honest to god I think Gustafson could be their best goalie right now I mean everyone sees Gustafson as the future as the goaltender that will eventually take the crease over Matt Murray down the road but there's a case that you could be you know that can be made for Gustafson being in the crease right now I mean it's not just the wicked looking red equipment that makes Gus so well. He's just so calm in there. He just, he never overplays anything. Um, he, he's so composed. He's like a Beethoven symphony. I mean, the way he moves, it's just, it's majestic. I, I can watch that guy play goalie all day. And, and I'm not a good um, analyst of goaltenders. I, I've said that on here before. So I, I really have no clue. It's really about me, you know, talking to people that know what they're talking about when it comes to goaltenders. But there's something that I see in Gustafson, that composure, it really radiates throughout the team. I don't know if you've noticed it, but the team just seems to play better when Gustafson's between the pipes. So he's so technical and like his ability to, to have that poise and be technical does not remind me of a young goalie who is on a two-way deal. Like it, it, he honestly, like, it, and I'm not, I'm not saying that he's the same caliber as him. And I don't think that he has the same potential as him, but when I look at him, he works with the same kind of calmness that Carey Price does. And, and that was something that has always stood out to me about Price is his ability to go in and settle the team down. It doesn't matter if he's let in zero goals or four goals. You're going to kind of get the same goalie nine times out of 10. And, and that's really the way that I feel with Gus. Like he's never kind of jumping out of his slots too much. Like he's, he's not um, coming out. He's, he always has his angles down and yeah, 100% like it instills confidence on a team. When, when you have a goalie like that, your D kind of know how to play around you when you have a system set up and you're not doing anything that's 
completely unpredictable, you can play predict, you can kind of predict what your goal is going to do and be able to make plays to go along with that. So I, I, I think that he is NHL ready. I thought he was NHL ready last year. I thought when he came up, he was definitely their best goalie. And I know where you're going with this. So I'm just going to dive right into it. And although Gus and Forsberg have looked incredible, Matt Murray does still deserve a chance. He does deserve a chance to show what he can do. And maybe like, I, I'm, I'm sure he is sick if, if that's kind of what was going on. And we really don't know what's going on with him. Like, I, I think that last year there was a lot of question marks. He kind of finally, finally started to find his game and then he got injured and there could be a variety of things that are happening. And I definitely think you kind of have to roll with the hot hand. And in most cases, I would say, you know, give Gus another start. I, I do honestly think they should keep three goalies right now. Like, I, I think that it makes the most sense with the way that the other two have been playing. But but I do still think that Matt Murray at least deserves a shot. I don't know if that's necessarily Thursday night, but I, I think he deserves a shot to play and deserve to at least compete for a spot. And I'm sure that he will. I know that he had a big offseason and apparently he's looked really good and he's he's ready to go. So we'll see. And if it ends up being one of those situations where, I don't know, we do maybe rotate three goalies or, or him and uh, him and Forsberg even split the spot, like the split, the starts 50, 50, I I'm more than happy with that. You know, the, the one thing I'll say in regard to Matt Murray, I, I do think he'll get the start if he's healthy on Thursday. I do think he's still the number one goalie here in Ottawa, but now there's a question around, you know, how short is that leash for Matt Murray? Now that you've seen Forsberg come in and play phenomenally, and then you've seen Gustafson dating back to last year and this year come in and really just be that calming presence that the blue line needs desperately, especially this year, if they hope to contend, um, you know, how, how short is that leash for Matt Murray? Does he really have, you know, the, the wherewithal to, to come in and give up a ton of goals in his first game back and then DJ Smith to be confident enough and the team to be confident enough in him to go back to him night after night. I, I don't think it's going to last very long if he doesn't come in and play lights out. So it, it really is a question of, you know, is Matt Murray ready to come in and be a confident goaltender enough to at least send a message to the team that, you know what, I am the number one guy here. Forsberg is good and we have confidence in, in going to Forsberg as the backup. But how short is that leash, Brennan, for Matt Murray? It's short. It's real tight. Uh, he, he is tied up next to a fire hydrant and he, he can barely take two steps on the sidewalk. And I, I honestly, I think that that is the way that it should be. I think that goal goaltending is always one of those situations where you have to play the hot hand. You have to play who's going to give you a best chance to win every single night. And that's kind of the philosophy that DJ has always preached about this team is whoever deserves to play is going to play. So if you all of a sudden throw Matt Murray in and he gets blown up, and he gets blown up for two games. He gets blown up for three games. You can't keep going to him if Forsberg is giving you quality starts. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I think he is kind of the 1A right now, and, and Forsberg's the 1B, maybe. But, but yeah, I, I think that that leash is very short, and it's kind of one of those things where stuff. But I also think that Matt Murray's been in the situation before. I mean, he came up under Marc-Andre Fleury, who's going to be a Hall of Fame goalie. This guy knows how to compete. And, I mean, confidence is everything for a goalie, and hopefully he can find some of it because he, he's going to need it kind of to push that out. This Ottawa decor is not great. They, they have some bright spots, but they also have some very 
weak spots, which is something we can get into a little bit as well. And I think that Matt Murray is going to have to be pretty exceptional because Gus and Forsberg have both shown that they're exceptional. So, so he's going to have to come out and show this, the same thing. So it's going to be a really interesting story to follow if nothing else. Um, but I, I think that it, is almost an easy decision in that you just have to play the hot hand because there's a lot of other teams as well that do that. Like you look at Boston to start the year, it's looking like Swayman's probably going to get the first two starts over Allmark, who they just signed to a new deal at 5 million a year because he's the better goalie right now. And that, that's honestly just what you have to do. All right, Brendan, one of the things we have to discuss here and we're going to discuss moving forward throughout the season is the play of the week. So let's get your thoughts on these three games, what was your play this week that really stood out to you? So my play of the week came on Sunday against the Dallas Stars, and it was presented by two, two great young players, two promising players for the Ottawa Senators in Tim Stutzel and Drake Batherson. So I, I absolutely love this play for a few reasons. So first of all, Timmy comes in, throws the puck over to to Batherson. He made a great play in his own end to be able to rush up through the neutral zone. And then Batherson just feeds Timmy with some beautiful sauce. I think there might've been a little too much sauce on it. I know, I know Tim might like it pretty saucy given by his new uh, favorite restaurant choices, but it was a little too much ended up in his skates, but the hand-eye ability for Timmy to still receive that pass get a pretty decent shot off that actually looked like a challenge Kadobin pretty good. That, that, that's a play of the week because I think that that's a connection that we're going to see for a long time as sense fans and something to be really excited about because there's a lot of skill and there's, there's going to be a lot of times that that gets converted. Unbelievable. All right. And for me, I'm going to rein it back to, I almost said Philip Forsberg again. I, I keep doing this Anton Forsberg's brilliant glove save absolutely robbing John Tavares of a goal and robbing Leaf fans in attendance of the ability to stand up and cheer for a John Tavares goal. I mean, Nikita Zaitsev should be buying him dinner at the same restaurant that Timmy was at because he bailed on the play, but Forsberg bailed him out on the play hard with a huge windmill glove save, robbing Tavares, making him look silly. What a save that was. And Forsberg absolutely stood on his head like we talked about, but this particular, this particular play was outstanding. Yeah, I have to say, I, I think that Forsberg made probably four or five plays of the week that we could get into th this past week because he's been absolutely exceptional and he's a, a major reason why Ottawa at least got that first win against the Leafs. Uh, I unfortunately, couldn't roll back again, but, but huge kudos to him and, I mean, Gus as well. So to move into our player of the week segment... My player of the week for the first week of the 2021-2022 NHL season was Nick Holden. And I think that the biggest reason why he was a standout for me is because he didn't really stand out on the Ottawa Senators defense. And in that aspect, I meant that aside from Zubin Shabbat, there were not a lot of bright spots on this decor this week. Um, we were able to get two wins. And I think that some fans might've had some higher hopes for other players. I know that it looked like Victor Mete definitely struggled a little bit. I know he for sure did against the Leafs. And um, I, I think that Nick Holden really deserves a lot of credit because he's bringing this stabilizing element to the decor that we've really had a need for. He's, he's reliable in his own end. And he also looks like he can 
be fairly productive offensively, at least kind of not allow chances to completely die. So I think that that's been a pretty sneaky pickup by Pierre Dorian. And I, I think that he really at this point deserves to draw into the lineup every single night. And in my opinion, deserves to be on that second pairing because he he's been a standout. He he's really been shutting down other teams and he's been great in transition as well. So I know there's even been rumors that they might be looking to lock him up long-term and given this one week, I know that it's a very small sample size, but I think it might be at least worth talking about. What about you, Derek? Who is your player of the week? Not for sure. Hey, I, I love the Holden pick. Cause I don't think that's what a lot of people were expecting. Um, Nick Holden, certainly a great trade from Pierre Dorian. And speaking of trades, uh, it brings me to my player of the week because everyone was hoping that this player was traded all off season, myself included, but Chris Tierney came into the season looking phenomenal. I mean, he just looks much, much faster than he ever did last season. He's playing with a ton of pace. And I mean, he scored three goals already through three games this season. It's unbelievable what he's putting up right now. Chris Tierney is my player of the week, not just for the goals, but his overall play. I mean, he's made a couple of nice sauce passes. I've noticed him in transition, which is something that I thought was probably impossible before we came into the season. Um, so just overall, I've been really impressed with Chris Tierney and with Colin White's injury. It's even more emphasized um, the fact that Chris Tierney, he has to play good because the senators are already thin down the middle and he has. No, I, you know what, Derek, that, that was such a great pick. And honestly, I think that the Sens fans were really worried when, when Colin White got injured because we were worried about what would happen in an expanded role for Tierney. I think that there's a lot of people that didn't even know if he deserved to play. I, I think a lot of people thought that he might deserve to be scratched. And he has proven us wrong, and myself included, because I was one of those those Tierney doubters. I was a hater for the Chris Tierney. And this guy is showing up, and, and he is looking like his version of himself in his first season with the Ottawa Senators and and that version of himself put up 44 points so there there could be another season ahead and I still think that this is a player that Ottawa is going to end up moving but at least now he's increasing his value and he might actually turn into a, a pretty decent trade chip and a great band-aid until Ottawa may be able to go in and acquire something else. Absolutely Brennan and for our final segment we have over-unders I mean, this is something that's always fun to do. We could look at these things and, and we can look back on these things and just see how bad our picks were, which is always fun to do, or how good they were. Uh, much like Tyler, our producer, who selected um, Nick Paul to absolutely go off just out of the blue. Um, let's see if we can get something right here, Brennan. Uh, let me start you off with Matt Murray for Thursday. Over, under, if he plays, it's a big if right now. Uh, so we should say that first, but over under 907 save percentage. I mean, I, I want to just say NA because I don't, I don't think he's going to be in, in the net, but I will go over. Um, I think that when Matt Murray returns and plays his first game, he's going to have a standout performance because he needs to. And I think that he's prepared all off season to have a standout performance. I, I mean, from everything that I've heard, this guy's ready to go. And I, I think that we're going to finally start to see a legitimate starting goalie in Matt Murray. I mean, we've seen legitimate starting goalies, it seems, in guys that we might not have been expecting to. But but I think that Matt Murray is going to come to play, and I think that he's going to be a bright spot for us for the rest of the year. Wow, we're not even talking about Thursday. We're going for the rest of the year. Nice, Brennan. I, I love the optimism. 
Uh, I'm also going to take the over on this, but I do think he's going to play. I think, you know, he, he was sick uh, from what I hear. So that's what's holding him out. It, it, unless it's, you know, there's some kind of undisclosed injury that they don't want people knowing about. Um, if he's genuinely just sick, I would expect him to get the start versus San Jose on Thursday. And if that's the case, I hope that he's over 907 save percentage or they're probably not walking away with the W. Um, so I'm going with the over on that one. So on to the next one with Brady Kachuk destined to make his highly anticipated season season uh, debut over under 17 minutes on ice. Oh, come on. You've got to play Brady Kachuk. I mean, DJ, he's just chomping at the bit to get this guy in here. Um, as much as they say, oh, yeah, we're going to, you know, restrict his minutes a little bit and ease him into things. There's no easing a guy like Brady Kachuk into things. Let's be honest. He's playing over 17 minutes guaranteed on Thursday. Hey, I, I love the guaranteed and I, I wouldn't bet against you. I am definitely taking the over as well. I think that the fact that Brady has actually sat out games, which there was almost a debate of if he should, because he looked like he was ready to go. And the little tiny iPhone clips that we got of him uh, in practices, but, but no, I, I am also going with the over. He's the pulse of this team. And I think he's going to be absolutely roaring. He's definitely hungry to get back on the ice and he's going to show it. I think as soon as he steps on there, I feel bad for the first, San Jose player to touch the puck because Brady's going to be running them through a wall. Love it. And from one captain, potential captain in Brady Kachuk to a former captain in Eric Carlson over under plus minus of minus one. We know he struggles defensively, Brennan, but you said it. He started the year pretty, pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Two pretties. Uh, what do you think? Minus one over under on Thursday. Yeah, no, I, I think Eric Carlson's an over. I, I genuinely think that Carlson finishes the game with plus one. I mean, hopefully it's like a 4-2 win for Ottawa. So that plus one comes when uh, it, it, it kind of works itself out. But I, I, I think that Carlson, from what I've seen and from what I've heard to start the year, he's looking a little bit more like himself. And I think that he really needs this year to, to find his game. And I know when he finds his game, he is an exceptional player. From, from all the nights that I watched this guy be the best player on the ice time in and time again in Ottawa. So I'm hoping he can get back to at least a, a much closer version of that than we've seen in recent years. So being optimistic with Arrow Carlson, who's looking like he's, he's going to have a bounce back year. Hopefully I'm taking the over. What about yourself, Derek? All right. I love it. Hey, I'm far from an Eric Carlson hater. I love the guy. I still love the guy. I still watch his games. He's an exciting player even to date, but Hey, he's playing against my team. I mean, I want him to get the under here. I want him to be, you know, looking like a really good golf score out there. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say he's going to be under minus one. I'm going to think he's going to be on the ice for at least two goals against. The Senators have started the season with a really powerful looking offense. They're creating a lot of chances. San Jose is a team that can definitely be exploited defensively. I'm taking a, at least a dash two on Eric Carlson. I think it's also fair to note that even in many of his great seasons in Ottawa, he was still pretty close to being a dash player. So that's probably a pretty safe bet, but I, 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 I like arguing with you. Hey, it's all, it's always fun. Um, and speaking of fun, Ottawa is averaging 2.3 goals per game through three games. Not, I mean, not fun, fun like they were last season, but uh, what's the over under 
three goals on Thursday. Is that a safe, safe bet for the over? Where are you taking? Oh, you, you got, you got to put your money on the over. And I think that's easy money to win because Ottawa is looking electric. They're looking like they're generating all sorts of offensive chances. And I don't think San Jose's decor and goaltending is, I, I think that San Jose is probably going to be a team that if they're going to win games this year, it's probably going to have to be four, three, five, four kind of thing. Um, I don't know how much I trust Aiden Hill. I, I don't even know who their backup is this season. So I, I, I definitely take it the over on that. I think Ottawa has looked strong against a very strong Dallas decor, um, which is, I would think would do a way better job of shutting them down that than San Jose would. So definitely taking the over on that. What about yourself? Yeah, this is a game that everyone on the team is going to be excited about. I mean, Brady Kachuk's back in the lineup that the guys are going to be buzzing on Thursday. I think it's a very safe bet to say that they will score more than three goals on Thursday. I'm taking the over. It's going to boost their season average of 2.3 much higher. They're generating a ton of shots on net too. They're uh, last I looked, they were at 84 shots, which is top six in the NHL uh, for, for shot generating shots and chances on, on net. So uh, I think it's a safe bet that the senators are due to score. We've seen how much guys like Timmy Stutzla, you know, they're coming within inches of scoring. So it, it's just a matter before the floodgates open for players like Stutzla, Batherson, Norris. I mean, the goals will come in bunches and hopefully Brady Kachuk can notch his first in his first game. Now, Derek, one, one last over under for you. So I know that Pierre Dorian gave a, a pretty interesting interview with James Duthie, a former guest of our show. And I'm really curious of your opinion because it, it to me, it sounds like Dorian may still be in the market for whether it be a top six center, top six forward. And I'm wondering the over under if, if it happens that the Ottawa senators acquire a top six forward in over under 30 games of regular season play. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm going to put my realistic cap back on and say that it probably doesn't happen. Um, I, I just think that unless, you know, unless the wheels fall off on the season and things really start to go downhill, I was trying to read into that as well, because I know they asked the question and I know Pierre typically will make a comment about how, you know, he's, he's always looking and he's always GMing, uh, doing his job and, and, you know, listening to offers and, and going out and making offers. So the potential is there, but I don't think the need will necessarily be there. I hope the need isn't there. Uh, for a top six forward. I mean, realistically, I see the need more being on the back end right now, even though it's crowded, there's a ton of guys there. There just isn't really the quality that's necessarily uh, that's necessary to get them to the next level, to get them to, to the postseason. So uh, in my mind, I would rather them look at a, a defenseman, but I do think they would probably more realistically target uh, a top six player. Um, you know, rumor has it that Claude Giroux wants to come to his hometown and play in Ottawa. I, I don't know if they necessarily have the assets to make a trade like that happen, but if you approach the trade deadline, so I, I'm, I'm taking for starters, I'm going to take the over and say that it doesn't happen within the first 30 games of the season. But if you approach the trade deadline and Ottawa is close to a playoff spot, my mind might change. I mean, will they go out and acquire someone that can, you know, put them over the top, as we like to say, there's definitely potential that that can happen. Uh, what do you believe, Brennan? 
So I, I, I'm in the same camp. I also believe it's over. And I do think that it's something that they're probably still considering, but, but I think that it's something that is probably closer to the trade deadline at this point as well. I think that they've done a really great job of building up this ship and that all has started with their prospects and, and they've really seen the value of these prospects. So I don't think that they're rushing to make a deal or overpay for anyone in, in the first 30 games of the year. So I'll, I'll take the over because I think that if they're even close to competing, Dorian has said that they, he expects to be a buyer come the trade deadline. And I, I think that that's the kind of pieces that this team would definitely need to put, put them over the top, even if it's just a bit of an upgrade in certain, certain spots. I think, um, I, I, I think we, there's definitely some areas that we could still maybe improve, but I also think what you said about the decor is, is a really interesting point. And maybe with the emergence of some of these guys, it's not as needed as we thought. And maybe we can be a little more patient. So I'm going to take the over as well. I think that Dorian and co has waited it out to kind of see what they have internally. And so far it's looked good. Like so far there hasn't been a lot of major holes up front. It's, it's really been holes on the back end. So um, yeah, I I'm, I'm with you. Fantastic. Hey, it's been a pleasure finally getting to talk about actual hockey again. Like we talked about on the top of the show, it's it's fun talking about hockey. We can do this all season. And it was a real positive start. So uh, I'm just hoping for more positivity to, you know, when we recap next week, we have more, hopefully more wins to talk about and more outstanding performances to talk about because there was quite a few this past week. Definitely. Thanks for always. And thanks everyone for tuning in. Take care. <laughs>